Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world and we find out what really makes them tick. My name's Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest is Academy Award winning filmmaker who came to the world's attention in 2003 with the release of his animated film, Harvey Crumpet. Far from an overnight success, his cleographies, as he calls them, capture the full gamut of life and have participated in over 800 film festivals and won over 100 awards. He now continues to work on his unique creations as well as take up opportunities to speak about his remarkable journey as he draws out the lessons we can all benefit from. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is Adam Elliott. Hello. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. You don't make many films, but boy, you do them well. Well, as my mum said, good things take time and it's quality, (laughs) not quantity. And uh, yeah, on average, one every five years. And actually, I was giving a talk to some little kids not so long ago and I was telling them how long it took. And I said, any questions? And this little girl put up her hand and she said, well, Mr. Elliot, I've worked out that if it takes you five years to make a film, you've only got four left. (laughs) <laughs> I just love the so innocence just of children. putting that into some context, if you're a big Hollywood movie director, mm. I mean, how often would they make a film? Well, look, this is the thing. There's, animation has this horrible stigma of being slow and expensive, but most feature films on average worldwide take seven years from script to scream. So cool. the thing that takes the longest is actually financing, making the film <laughs> yeah. a quick bit. And, and we should explain to anyone listening who hasn't seen your films, it's clay animation. It's mm. literally pushing bits of clay around mm. and taking a photo and then another movement and taking a photo. So in a day, would you be happy to get how much in the can? We average about five seconds a day. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, look, it is slow and it is like watching paint dry. Uh, and actually <laughs> yeah. my accountant a few years ago at the end of my meeting, annual meeting with him, he leaned across the desk and he said, Adam, please don't be offended, but I just have to say something. God, what you do must be boring. Oh, I said, Alan, you're terrible. an accountant. Yeah. How can you say that? <laughs> of all people. Uh, in the, in the uh, intro, I mentioned the word uh, clayographies. Mm. Tell us what you mean by that. Because I think, is that a word you've coined or is that actually a term from the industry? It's a very pretentious word I invented. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, and it's a merge of clay animation and biographies. Because all my films are based on the people I know around me. They're not fantastical sort of films that you see typically in anim- animation. All my films are based on either myself or my family and friends. At least your friends would get some warning because the titles give them away. Uncle, Cousin, Brother, Max and Mary, Ernie Biscuit and, of course, Harvey Crumper, which we'll get to in a moment. Your films are, are wonderful, endearing, humorous, all of that, but then you also don't shy away from some big subjects like cigarettes, head injuries, mental health, alcoholism and death. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you finding a beautiful mix of these darker topics in a, a very accessible film. Yeah, look, well, I, I've discovered that my niche in the animation world is is to do what everyone else isn't doing. And mm. so my I try and make films that are more for adults, uh, that have challenging subject matter. My father was an acrobatic clown, and, and the one thing he taught me was, uh, yes, make them laugh, but if you can make them cry as well, that's that <laughs> wonderful combination of comedy, tragedy, humour, pathos, bittersweet. Yeah. And, and so that's what my aim is for every film, is to not just to make them laugh. And it's a weird ambition to have to make Mm. people cry but uh yeah that's what i try and do with each film you won an oscar Mm -hmm. which is no mean feat obviously not many australians have won oscars certainly as a directors Mm. take us back to how you started the harvey crumpet journey 
Well, Harvey Crumpet was my fourth short film and it was my most challenging. It was uh, 22 minutes long. It was for SBS television. So uh, at your rate, that was 84 years to make. Yeah, oh, look, it had been years <laughs> at that point I, and I had very low expectations for it. But essentially it was me in a storage unit in Moorabbin animating five seconds a day, moving my plasticine around. And by the end of the process, by the end of the film, I was exhausted, I was broke, I was on the dole, my partner had dumped me, I'd moved home <laughs> with my parents to Patterson Lake. There's a new film coming oh. out of it. It's a film <laughs> script there. I was at my lowest ebb and I thought, yeah, this film is going to be a disaster. And to cut a long story short, six months later, there we were on stage in front of, I think, almost a billion people at the Oscars. So what was that moment that triggered from what you described to, bang, there's that success? Well, look, we're very lucky that the film started doing really well at film festivals and the next minute we won a big prize in France, which made us eligible for Academy Award consideration. Oh, right. And we were just one of 20 short films that were shortlisted and then the next minute we're in the top five and then, you know... They fell in love with it. Can, Can I take you back a moment? You said something like, I didn't have high expectations for it. Why? Why were you so dark about it? Oh, look, I think my, my self-esteem was pretty low at the time and being on the dole, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of self-pity going on. But also Harvey was a very unconventional film. It yes, was, yep. uh, you know, w- at the time there were a lot of computer animated films coming out and, mm-hmm. and because ours was plasticine, it was Australian. It had challenging subject matter, as we talked about before. It really was the odd one out. And uh, because we're up against Disney, Pixar and Fox, three of the biggest studios, I mean, our budget is what they would have spent on catering. Absolutely. It really was a David and Goliath situation. And even my mother said we had no chance of winning. (laughs) So um, (laughs) Always the support. (laughs) And so you think you're nominated for an Academy Award. You think then the red carpet's laid out from, from that moment to get from Australia to the US. But that's not the case. Well, the the bittersweet, uh, well, irony, I suppose, was at the exact same time uh, I was on the dole. I had $82 in the bank and uh, I certainly didn't have a tuxedo and I certainly didn't have enough money for a cattle class return ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we actually considered not going for a couple of days because we really thought, well, it's great that we're nominated, mm-hmm. but you know, Disney are going to win, obviously. We're up against Walt Disney himself, who had a short called Destino, which he and Salvador Dali had begun <laughs> making decades ago, and it was never completed in their lifetime. So they finally finished that off. So we didn't, we didn't think we had a chance. But everyone started to say, no, no, look, you've got to go. It's great to be nominated. We know you're not going to win, but you've got to go. <laughs> yeah, was that your mother? That was everybody. through here, Mike. <laughs> so, no. I was... think I've seen your mother in one of these films. <laughs> <laughs> she's in the next one. She's going to get it. No, no, she's, she's very supportive now. I, I bet. Um, it was a bittersweet moment, and we were just thrilled just to be nominated. So then to fly over... And to be there was just a thrill, but then to win, that was just a shock. So take us to that night in 2003. You're sitting in that beautiful theatre and the speaker says, the winner, Adam. Well, it was actually Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and they were dressed up as the characters from Starsky and Hutch, which was the film they were in that year. And I hate that word surreal, but it did seem quite surreal and odd and strange and I thought I was hallucinating at one point and... When they said Harvey Crumpet, I actually thought I misheard them and I looked at my producer, Melanie, to see if she was smiling and and being elated. (laughs) She wasn't. She was quite blank and pale and I thought, 
maybe I heard Harvey Crumpet, but they actually said Disney. Yeah, right, right. And right. I was in this, what do I do? Do I stand up? And if it's not us, I'm really <laughs> stupid, yeah. you know. And uh, was, she, was she in a blank as well? Oh, uh, we were just, I mean, it was, I was holding, I remember holding her hand and she was all sweaty. And, and it's a bit like a wedding. You don't sort of remember much. I certainly don't remember walking down the aisle or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember but, your speech? Not really. I mean, of course, I've watched it back, but um, I had, hadn't really planned a speech. The thing was, you, you only get sort of 45 seconds. Yeah. And um, I, I think... And there's a big film, countdown, isn't there? Like yeah, there's a little it. countdown. And so, I remember just looking at Oprah and giving my speech to Oprah and just pretending she was naked and blocking everyone else out and doing all those <laughs> tricks you do, you know, and... And I that did, is I, not advisable. <laughs> and I did. Look, I, I thanked everyone I had to thank. And I had 10 seconds left and I thought, well, what else can I say to hundreds of millions of people? So yeah. I told everyone to tune in to SBS on Monday night because Harvey oh, Crumpet great. was playing. Great plug. And it was the best plug SBS has ever had. And, yeah. um, but unfortunately, backstage, a journalist came up to us and told us, did we know that SBS was also a porn channel in Amsterdam? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know. That's yeah. great. So fast forward a little bit to your next film. But between um, winning the Oscar and the next film, your life was turned upside down. I was really cynical. I really didn't think it was going to change my life that much. I really just thought, well, this is obviously going to help me get the finance for another film. Mm. But I was wrong. I got back to Australia and, and suddenly I was, uh, I'd was i lost my uh, anonymity and I was going on all the... And your innocence, Adam, and in- your innocence. Well, I, I, you know, and Centrelink cut me off because I didn't put in my doll form that week. And uh, <laughs> so it was, it was all sorts of bizarre things happening. We f- were flying to Canberra to meet the Prime Minister. And, and, and what did, uh, and what did uh, it was John Howard at the time, what did he call your little golden statue? He did get it confused with a Logie. <laughs> he actually called it a logie. He did. He did. Oh, no. uh, yeah. But he does have He's a so hearing. In touch. He does yeah. have a hearing problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Look, it was a ride, and it took a few months for it all to settle down. And and then we decided, well, what are we going to do next? And uh, and the offers and doors were flying open from America and Hollywood. And we thought about you know jumping ship and going to LA. But then we realised. Harvey Crumpet, why did it win? How did we beat Disney, Pixar and Fox? And we realised, well, it was our story. Mm. Uh, It was a good Australian story, well told, and we realised that that's our strength. Stay in Australia, keep telling Australian stories, Mm. um, keep going uh, up to Screen Australia and asking for taxpayers' money, because that's the thing. All my films have been funded by the taxpayer and they've all made profits. So it's great that that I have, um, you know, I've decided I'm what's called a self-appointed storyteller for our <laughs> culture. So I'm, I'm here for good. Well, that is a very good thing. So let's take all of those stories that you've lived as a, from a boy on the doll to suddenly, you know, shaking hands with Ben Stiller and beyond and the Prime Minister. And now you've taken that to the speaking stage and you're giving us lessons that hopefully we can take and put into our own life. How are you finding that transition from doing to speaking? Well, look, I, I find the speaking circuit and getting up on stage not that dissimilar to, to making films because it's mm. the same thing. I'm trying to entertain an audience. I'm trying to educate them. I'm, I'm trying to really communicate to them and, and getting up there and, and doing my 45-minute keynote, telling all my anecdotes, I love it because it's very satisfying. Uh, my films take years to make. Mm-hmm. So to get that instant gratification <laughs> yes. is great. Oh, my know, God, it's six, se- six seconds of life today. <laughs> yeah. 
And now, uh, you know, it's still, gee, I've, I've done over, I think, 500 presentations. And I still enjoy it. I still get that buzz standing up there. I did one yesterday in Canberra. And and the thing is that my speech is very accessible. Uh, you know, I basically tell anecdotes. I, I give a good old-fashioned slideshow and... Um, you know, make them laugh, make them cry, but also I, I intertwine themes too. So depending on yeah, the so tell us about those themes. Well, look, I, I talk everything about overcoming the odds to you know what it's like to be a small businessman because mm-hmm. I still have my own little animation company. What it's like to actually go through low ebbs in your life. You know, my films are about the the highs and lows of these characters' lives, but also talk about my own ups mm-hmm. and downs. And and one of the gigs I did actually the one yesterday in Canberra, um, I had to intertwine the. Theme theme of suicide and suicide prevention, mental health. There's a lot of things I can intertwine and um, I, I, over the years I thought, oh, there's certain groups that just would never book me. But I've, you know, one day I spoke to 300 kindergarten teachers in the morning and in the evening I spoke to 300 engineers and, you know, so it was a, I, there's not a group I haven't spoken to. You actually bring the Oscar to all of your talks, don't you? So you actually bring uh, the little gold man along? I do. He he's very heavy. He's almost uh, three and a half kilos. Uh, yes, he travels with me now. It's hard to get through security at airports. Um, <laughs> the X-ray machine always shines him up. But yes, uh, I do. I, I pull him out midway through the presentation. It's always a surprise. I never let anyone know. And that alone uh, is a huge welfare. Yeah, that has yeah. a huge. Do you pass it around the crowd? Oh uh, well, they ha- I have to. Uh, he, he's getting very scratched actually. So yeah. we have a whole lot of rules now. But they often uh, I do a little photo session afterwards where they all have to queue up and give me a dollar per photo. Lots of speakers have stories that have weathered the time. So why do you mm. think your story still resonates so much now with audiences? Well, look, I think the audience still get a buzz out of the fact that I was this this little underdog from Australia. And I think it's that Aussie battler thing that, yeah. that really resonates with Australian audiences. And, you know, let's face it, Australians love it when we beat another country at something. Mm-hmm. And so even at Plasticine Animation, <laughs> when we beat the Yanks, they love it. So it, it's a story that is timeless that resonates it's very accessible for all ages uh, and I'm always updating my my presentation to embrace you know things that have happened to me recently but also the new films that I've made since Harvey Crumpet I've made two other films Ernie Biscuit Mary and Max these films just live on and on and, and then they have sort of spin-offs Mary and Max my feature um, has been turned into a Broadway musical so audiences wow. get a real really? buzz when I tell them about and, and who started know, Mary and Max you had some big Hollywood names yeah, with each film, we've been really lucky to get the, the cast that we wanted. So uh, Mary and Max, we had uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tony Collette, um, good old Barry Humphreys, a local here in Melbourne. Uh, we had uh, Eric Banner and uh, oh, and the name, uh, the biggest star I've ever <laughs> wanted to work with, uh, Molly Meldrum. We even got Molly involved. Fantastic. He Did only had one word, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one. Do you see your life as kind of an Ashley and Martin ad before and after? There was <laughs> there was before Harvey Crumpet's success and then post. We, absolutely, we we call it Bo and Ao before Oscar and after Oscar. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yep. And I oh, look, I was again very cynical. I didn't think my life was going to change dramatically, but it really did from that moment forth. And you know what? I remember the moment where I thought, "Uh oh, I think my life has changed." It was on the Qantas flight back from LA. And the pilot announced that we were on the plane. So that was a shock to the system. straight after the Oscars. Straight after the Oscars. And um, one of the hosties came down and gave me a copy of the Herald Sun newspaper. 
and it took me a few seconds to realise, but the person looking back at me was me. It was my big, bold head looking, and it was, oh, my God, I'm on the front you of the Herald the Sun. surreal, but was that a surreal That moment? was surreal. And also, the other thing that had happened that day, a hospital was saved in East Gippsland, so it right. was a big day for Melbourne. So you had to share the front page with that. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. If you uh, walked into a, an elevator and uh, next to you was an opportunity to make the next big film, your next big film, uh, what would your elevator pitch be? Well, look, I think the thing I've realised over the years, why people like my films is because uh, it, it, the characters are relatable. They they identify. So mm. every film I, I strive to do something very simple and that is get the audience to empathise. So many animated films are about, you know, these characters, animals that talk. You'll never see a talking animal in one of my films. <laughs> um, so each film, that yes, there's some serious content, but I absolutely want to make them cack themselves, but also at the end of the film, you know, just get them to squeeze a little bit of liquid out of their eyeballs is exactly what I'm after. And that also is what I imagine you bring to your speaking work as well. Same thing, yes, yeah. same, same ambition. If they haven't clapped in the middle of my presentation, because there's a, there's a point in my presentation where I expect them to clap, and, <laughs> and if, they're not, if I haven't done that, then I've failed. So oh dear. every gig I've done, I, I really throw myself into it. And if, if I'm not exhausted by the end of the, the one hour, then I feel like I've failed as well. Is there one gig that you really remember? Look, I've done a, a very uh, diverse range of gigs over the years. I've done hairdressing conventions in Borneo. But the one I remember most vividly was uh, about five, six years ago. It was when Sol Trujillo was the uh, head of Telstra and uh, Telstra having their big annual awards night uh, at the height and mm-hmm. I was the MC for the night. And um, at the end of the night, Sol was going to give a giant one of those novelty checks to one of the best employees at Telstra that happened, and just as he handed over the novelty check, uh, they exploded a confetti bomb off stage. It was meant to fly across the stage, and right. confetti exploded everywhere. Yes. But unfortunately, they misaimed it. It flew across, and it was heading towards Sol's head. <laughs> oh! No! And I dived across and took the blow. <laughs> took I the took the bullet! I took the bullet for Sol, and I did actually get a big bruise on the side of my head. Was, oh, this, wow. was this recorded? Uh, it was, I wonder not... if it was recorded, but um, Sol was very, uh, very thankful, and I got a free mobile phone. For long. Uh, look out listeners that moment is going to be up in one of Adam Elliott's uh, films coming up Adam thank you so much I saw all your films and they are beautiful they speak to the soul of what it is to be human but in an endearing and accessible and fun and light-hearted kind of way but you also not shy away from the serious parts of life and all of that you clearly bring to your stage uh, work as a speaker as well it, it must be a, a pleasure and an honor to have you in the room oh thank you for having me it's been a joy And if you'd like to have Adam Elliott come to your next conference or event, please go to www.adamelliott.com.au. You've been listening to Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC Michael Pope with Our Next Guest Is. More guests can be found through iTunes or just visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break. Music